You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 43. I want to take a moment to thank all of my listeners for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in iTunes, Pandora, and anywhere else that you might be listening to the show, which also includes radio.com. And I want to also ask you to please share out the show on social media and elsewhere and ask all of your family and friends to give it a listen, subscribe, and if they'd be so kind to give it a review, that would be fantastic. Now, as some of you should be aware by now, or everybody should be aware by now, we're in the last seven days of our first photography-related giveaway, so you've got seven days left in which to enter this free contest. I'll give you more details about it at the tail end of the show. So first up this week, Canon engineers have designed a lens that quite literally and intentionally sucks. The lens pulls in air, swirls it across the image sensor in the camera body, and then pushes it out in order, in order to get rid of internal dust that causes nasty dark spots on your photos. In a newly published Patent filing over in Japan, 2019-191432, first reported on by Canon Watch, Canon describes a clever solution it came up with for removing sensor dust. It describes the invention as, and this is translated, an air intake channel for sucking air from outside into the interior of the imaging device by the pressure difference generated by the airflow generation means. What the company came up with is a new lens that sucks in outside air through channels around the outer rim at the front. This air is channeled back into the mirror box of the DSLR while the mirror is up and the sensor exposed. The air stirred up is then channeled through the internal areas of the lens until it is expelled out of the front of the lens through channels surrounding the front element. The patent describes as Canon's effort to provide a dust-removing device capable of easily removing dust adhering to an imaging element inside a camera body while confirming an actual influence degree. Quote, an outer housing having an engaging part for engaging with a lens mount detachably holding an imaging lens and an inner side of the outer housing. A communication unit for electronically connecting an inner housing and an imaging device to be arranged. A one passage penetrating into the body of the imaging device formed between their outer housing and the inner housing. A two passage penetrating into the body of the imaging device formed inside the inner case and an engaging portion. Now, I know a lot of that doesn't sound like it makes a whole heck of a lot of sense, but basically what they're doing is they've invented this lens that's basically a cleaning tool. So it is designed to be mounted on the front of your DSLR, and then you work the billows that are built into this lens to take in air that's filtered, presumably. It'll circulate it through the mirror box assembly with the mirror up and out of the way and the sensor exposed, and with any luck, remove any dust particles that have gathered on your sensor. Now, I'm not sure how I feel about this. I'm not sure how well it's going to work. I've personally, for 
about five or six years now, I've been using something called the sensor cleaning gel stick uh, or the sensor gel stick, and it works fantastic. It was a one-time, I think it was $54.99 to buy one. You got to get the genuine one, though. Don't fall for the, the counterfeits, the Chinese knockoffs on Amazon because they can actually damage your sensor. But the uh, sensor gel stick that I use, I've been using for, like I said, five or six years now. It works fantastic. It always gets my sensors beautifully clean, works like a charm. I've had no issues or complaints with that whatsoever. And I can share a link to the website where you can order one in the show notes for this episode if you would like to check it out and possibly order one for yourself. Now, don't get me wrong, this does sound like a cool idea if Canon can actually get it to work the way they're saying it will in their patent write-up. And they've even got diagrams where it shows, you know, before and after and the dust particles have been removed from the sensor. Like I said, how well it works is yet to be seen. It'll be really cool if it does work. And especially if it's something that's, you know, reasonably inexpensive, you know, because people aren't going to want to pay hundreds of dollars for basically a dummy lens that's designed to clean dust off their sensor when there's other less expensive ways you can do it. So I guess we'll have to wait and see if this becomes reality. And if it does, what kind of money they're going to charge for it. Now, the sensor cleaning features found in many modern cameras these days generally vibrate or shake the sensor in order to get the dust to fall off the surface. Canon's idea would go a step further by getting dust out of the mirror box and the camera body altogether. As with all unusual patents of this sort, as this tells us, is that Canon has brainstormed this idea internally, there's a good chance we may never see this invention show up in real-world camera or lens. It's, you know, something that may be something they kicked around internally, but it doesn't end up actually coming to fruition. We'll have to wait and see. But it is definitely a unique and interesting, although a little bit unorthodox idea. But if it gets the job done and it's sold for a reasonable price, I'm sure there's plenty of people that'll buy it. Now, another bit of Canon news. Uh, Canon News discovered yet another patent, this one discussing what appears to be a high-powered flash that also includes continuous LED lighting. As Canon News notes, quote, the mechanical design of the speed light is quite developed in the patent application, leading us to believe that the development is quite far along for this particular flash model. This speed light is a hybrid speed light that contains an LED portion for continuous lighting. From the patent application, we can tell that the patent is about keeping the flash cooler and thus protecting the flash discharge tube and also LED longevity. An object of the present invention is to provide a lighting device capable of protecting a member related to light emission from heat associated with light emission. A light source, a first optical member that transmits light emitted from the light source and a light source that transmits light emitted from the light source are disposed between the light source and the first optical member. The second optical member and the air sucked from the first space, which is the inner space including the light source on the light source side of the second optical member and the first optical member. Again, really confusing lingo. I'm not sure if this is stuff that's translated from Japanese or something like that, but it's confusing as heck. But basically what it boils down to, and there's images here, and I'll share a link to this story in the show notes for this episode. So basically, Canon has apparently filed a patent for a new hybrid speed light 
that will not only have LEDs for continuous lighting, but this speed light will also have a fan with an air circulation system with exhaust ports that would allow the speed light to cool more efficiently and thus extend the life of the flash tube unit as well as any LED lights that are in the continuous portion as well. It does look like an extremely interesting design. It might be something that I would be interested in and probably a lot of other photographers as well. The one thing that's really surprised me by uh, with Canon and their speed lights is I'm really shocked that they haven't gone the route of some of the other companies like Godox, for example, and given us speed lights that have a lithium ion rechargeable battery pack. Uh, they're still going with the AA batteries, which seems kind of odd to me and kind of old fashioned. I mean, yeah, for my Canon speed lights, I have a slew of the uh, any loop rechargeable AA batteries, and those things do work fantastically. But I recently bought one of the Godox speed lights, and it was not only considerably less expensive than my Canon speed lights are, but I do like the fact that the Godox speed lights come with a rechargeable lithium-ion battery pack. And you can buy additional battery packs for a fairly reasonable price. Uh, I got mine on Amazon, and I've had absolutely no issues with it thus far. I actually like it. It seems to be a pretty cool speed light. It seems to do a great job. Uh, how it ends up working out long term, I'm still waiting to see. But so far, I've been fairly happy with it. The one thing I will say that doesn't impress me is the fact that it uses um, a twist lock mechanism. You know, in other words, you have to screw it several times in order to get it to lock on the top of your camera's hot shoe assembly. I don't really like that. And I don't know, maybe it's it's me being lazy. I don't know. I mean, that's a possibility, I guess. But I, I, I've kind of really gotten used to the fact that the Canon speed lights and even my young new speed lights that I have, they have the flip lock. In other words, you, you know, you, you slide the hot shoe into the, or the speed light into the hot shoe mount, and then you just have a little flip switch that you basically flip from left to right, and that locks it into the hot shoe nice and tight. Well, theoretically nice and tight. And that's something I did want to touch on. Um, I do like the speed of use when it comes to the design of the flip lock on the Canon speed lights and on the, the young new speed lights. But I noticed they don't seem to really get the speed light all that tight in the hot shoe mount. Even when it's locked down, I mean, if you just move the camera body a little bit, you can feel the speed light jiggle and you can visually see it jiggle, you know, on the top of the, the hot shoe, on the, on the top of the camera body. And I never liked that idea because it just seems to me like, oh, that's just an opportunity where at some point that's going to break. Now, if you guys may remember, I, I mentioned in last week's episode, I actually had an incident uh, three Sunday, three, three weeks ago tomorrow, where I fell when I was out shooting real estate. I had the speed light mounted on top of my EOS R. And when it when the camera and speed light aside, you know, the combined setup hit the ground, the Godox speed light did break the hot shoe plate in half. Now, I did just get the camera body back from Canon earlier this week. Uh, it arrived on Tuesday, nice and fixed. 
Uh, it wasn't too expensive. I had read uh, online that another gentleman had broken his in a similar fashion. And I'm not sure it might have been back at the beginning of this year when the EOS R was fairly new to the market. Because he said he was quoted a price of $755 to fix his because the only way to fix it was to replace the upper body panel on the EOS R. Now, I sent mine in. I do get 20% off for being a CPS Gold member, but I got mine fixed and they did replace the entire upper body plate to give me a new hot shoe plate assembly. And it only cost me $287.20. Um, that's with my discount. It would have been more like closer to $400 bucks without the CPS discount, but still a lot cheaper than what that guy was talking about in the article I read um, where he had talked about it. Now, if you're curious about the Godox Speedlight that I bought recently, it's the Godox V860 Mark II-C, and it's an E-TTL-HSS, and it's capable of one thousandth of a second, has built-in 2.4G wireless, and it, like I said, it does come with its own lithium-ion battery. You can get it as a bundle where you get some colored gels with it. You get a softbox with it, as well as a USB flashlight. Um, it looks kind of goofy, but it really does work pretty cool. So um, I can share a link to that in the show notes uh, for anybody that might be interested in that. It is a great um, speed light. And one of the reasons why I decided to give Godox a try is a lot of my friends have been using them lately and have been really impressed with them. So I figured I would give them a try myself. I know Jeff Harmon and some of the other folks on the Master of Photography podcast a lot of those folks use the Godox Speedlights, different models, and they seem to really like them. And so far, I've been fairly impressed with mine. It actually does seem like when I compare it, on um, whether it was on my 6D Mark II or my EOS R, it does seem like it gives a little more light, a little bit more light than my 580 EX2 from Canon does. So it does seem like the Godox Speedlight that I bought is a bit more powerful. For what it's worth, it might be something you want to look into. All right, the next thing I want to touch on is also Canon-related this week. Canon again mentions a Pro EOS R body with IBIS and dual card slots. Now, this, is, this story is from about a week ago. Um... But it's safe to say we can put to rest the idea that IBIS will be coming in a Canon DSLR. It does not look like the EOS 1DX Mark III will be equipped with IBIS and that IBIS will more than likely be reserved for the EOS R system, at least for now. Nikon apparently will be putting IBIS in their upcoming D6 flagship and sources may have figured out what Canon was going to do too, especially after an IBIS patent showing a DSLR drawing appeared back in July of this year. Canon executives are now telling folks in the media that they're considering, quote, considering a high-end EOS R body with dual slots and IBIS. A representative with Canon told Digital Camera World, with careful wording, that, a Canon, that Canon is considering making a high-end EOS R camera. Quote, there's a high-end EOS R in consideration, said Canon's UK product intelligence consultant, David Parry. We are, so we are considering bringing a high-end EOS R to the market in the near future, end quote. Uh, but I think it's safe to say they are well past the point of considering making such a camera and that one is in advanced development. A timeline is unknown, 
but I wouldn't be shocked to see it come after the EOS 1DX Mark III is officially announced and shipping, which will be early in 2020. And if you've been listening to this show, you know I've been talking to the, about this for quite a few months now. Back since even the beginning of this year, I've been saying over and over again that more than likely, Canon is already working on a dual card slot with IBIS EOS R Pro Body, and it's more than likely going to be their successor for the 5DS and the 5DS R. Canon has already confirmed that they're not going to make a Mark II of those models. So the logical jump would be that they're going to replace those cameras, which have been hugely popular, with an EOS R variant. High megapixel, possibly 75 megapixels or higher sensor, dual card slots, possibly dual SD card slots, or maybe dual PC Express. There's already rumors that they're doing dual PC Express in the 1DX Mark III. So it could be possible that they would do it in an EOS R Pro body, Although it's probably more than likely that they'll go with UHS-2 um, SD card slots. And hopefully two of them, much as Sony did in the A7R4, which made a lot of folks happy with that. And another item I wanted to touch on this week on the Canon front, firmware 1.4.0 is now available for the EOS RP. The new firmware added full HD at 23.98 frames, added support for the RF85mm f1.2L USM DS lens. And I will include the link in the show notes where you can download firmware 1.4.0 from Canon USA so that you can update the firmware on your EOS RP. Now we do also have a little bit more information on the 1DX Mark III. Okay, so we know from the rumors we talked about last week's episode that the new Mark III is going to be even faster than the 1DX Mark II with upwards of 20 frames a second plus and be built like a tank and will even shoot raw video. You can probably use it to prop up your car instead of a jack in an emergency. It's very likely to be Canon's best one-series DSLR. Hopefully not the last of its kind, but I'm pretty sure it will be. Now, what is being mentioned by a source now, the battery life is nothing short of amazing, far better than it is on the 1DX Mark II, which I never had a complaint with battery life on my 1DX Mark II. The silent shutter mode in live view is absolutely silent. It makes no noise whatsoever. The IAF works incredibly well, and that, of course, we're assuming is via live view because, of course, if you're using the optical viewfinder, you wouldn't have IAF. The AF on trackpad is so innovative, it works fast and is extremely precise. In the source's words, it's a real revolution. Nobody will be using the old-style joystick or be missing it. We still don't have some of the details that some of us would like to know, such as the megapixel count of the sensor. According to the source, it was impossible to find out at the time. Canon may be testing different resolutions as of right now. Now, according to rumors, the 1DX Mark III will be released in early 2020, as I mentioned before, in time for the Tokyo Summer Games. So definitely be looking for that to be announced at the beginning of 2020. I would say probably in January or February at the latest. 
um, so that they can get plenty of them to market and in the hands of pros that are going to be shooting the Tokyo games. Okay, the next item I want to talk about or mention here in this week's episode, the first Nikon Nikkor Z 58mm F095 S-Knock lens arrived or has already been received in Europe. This is as of yesterday. The new Nikkor Z 58mm F095 S-Knock is now shipping and the first lens was already received by Photo Hans. Uh, together with the additional Nikon CT101 trunk case, it is $899 at B&H and $850 at Adorama. And there are images included in this article. I will share this article in the show notes. It does look like an extremely impressive lens. I'll bet it's heavy as heck, though, at uh, 095. And it does come with an impressive-looking case. So you may want to check out the images. Um, and like I said, I'll include the, the link for this in the show notes of this episode so that you can check it out for yourself. Now, you may want to hurry. The Nikkor Z50 F1.8 S lens is almost half price at Amazon UK and Amazon Germany. It's another one of those weird Amazon price drops. The Nikon Nikkor Z 50mm F1.8 S mirrorless lens is now almost half price at Amazon UK, 45% off and Amazon Germany, 49% off. But I guarantee it won't last long, and it may have already ended. We'll have to be looking, uh, but supposedly it's showing up on all of the Amazon Europe sites, um, as well as in Calumet, uh Germany, Wex, and Park Camera. So you may want to jump on that if you've been looking to pick up that lens. Well, you can get that incredible, incredible pricing. All right, that's all I wanted to talk about in this episode as far as camera and lens news. Now, I did want to remind my listeners once again, you're in the last week of our first photography-related giveaway contest. We are giving away one free, fully licensed copy of Luminar 3 photo editing software, thanks to the wonderful folks at Skylum Software for providing the prize and sponsoring this contest. All you have to do to enter the contest is subscribe to the podcast with your favorite podcatching app, take a screenshot showing that you're subscribed, join the Land Photography Podcast Facebook group. You can search it out on Facebook. It is a closed group, but you can request to join. You just have to answer one security question to get in, and that is, what is the name of the host of the show? That is myself. You can put either Liam or Liam Douglas. Either one will work. Once you are accepted into the group, just look for the official contest post. It is marked as an announcement, so it'll be easy to find. Upload your screenshot showing you're subscribed to the podcast, and that is it. You are then entered for a chance to win. Now, the contest will end next Saturday, November 9th at 12.01, or 12 midnight, 12.01, going into the 10th next Sunday. And the winner will be drawn sometime during the day of November 10th, and they will be contacted either directly via Facebook or email if they prefer, and they will be told how they can claim their prize. So you do still have one week yet in which to enter the contest. I will mention it one last time in next week's episode, which hopefully I'll be able to do on time on Thursday as I usually do. 
That way I can let you know when you're down to the last 48 hours of the contest. Now, I do want to apologize to my listeners for being a couple of days late with this week's episode. Uh, my day job where I shoot real estate photography, my company needed me to provide coverage in Memphis, Tennessee yet again. I went up there for a few days back in May to cover a large batch of orders from one of our clients. And they had this, they had an issue the last couple of weeks where they were getting a lot of rain up there. And the couple of photographers that they have are only available for one or two days a week because they, they have other full-time gigs. And uh, with the, all the rain they'd been getting in Memphis, they got behind on the scheduling because of the bad weather. So my co the company asked me if I could go up and help get them caught back up, which I was more than happy to do. I like these road trips. And I do apologize that it took me away from doing the show on time. But I hope that you guys will forgive me for that and continue to listen. And don't forget to enter that contest. All right, with that, I am going to go ahead and wrap up episode 43 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank everyone again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Radio.com, Pandora, anywhere else that you might be listening to this show. And I will see you again next week for episode 44.